0: just interesting people podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So today's episode we're talking to Katie. James going to introduce her properly as always, but thank you for being here and we really hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you Katie for being with us today.
2: Thank you so <laughs> much for having me. I'm so honored that you think I'm interesting enough to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's interesting enough. Yeah.
1: Um no, yeah, I thought it'd be nice to to bring you along and and get the full experience, get a dinner, and record the podcast together uh, before we leave Miami. (laughs) Um, We met for the first time at a daybreaker. I don't know which one. (laughs) A while ago. um, Well, in 2019, because obviously in 2020, we didn't do much daybreaker. So, (laughs) Um, and uh, no, yeah, I thought it'd be nice to to bring you along um, because you're a DJ, which I love and I've got plenty of questions about that. <laughs> um, I also know that you love birds and I also have a of questions about that Where's coming <laughs> from because you post really cool birds in your stories on Instagram and I don't know I'm intrigued by that <laughs> um, and also I also I, I know that you help out with a non-profit and you spend time working with kids with like summer camp and uh, activities and everything which is amazing and really cool so that's something also (laughs) I I love to touch base about so yeah Uh, where should we start?
2: First of all where are you from? I don't even know that. (laughs) Um, So I was born in Boston and um, my family my parents are from the northeast so we lived there until I was almost nine and then my dad got a really good job offer in South Florida Uh, so we moved to Weston which is like a suburb of Fort Lauderdale Uh, when I was almost nine years old, and then I lived there until I was 18, and then at that point, I decided I wanted to get out of Florida. I wanted to go far away to college, so I went to the University of Richmond and spent four years in Virginia, and it was funny because once college was over, all I wanted to do was get back to South Florida, so after college in 2010, I moved to Miami, um, and that's where I started my career. Mm.
0: What was it like moving from Boston down to Florida, because I guess the temperature and winters and everything must have been completely different.
2: Yeah, totally different vibe. Like I can't even, it's such opposites and... Um, to this day, people tell me like you're not from here, and I'm like, well, I think kind of now I could say I am, yeah, but yet. like, <laughs> but there's just something different about down here, and people always pick up on the fact that like I'm not a Floridian, like by blood, you know. You don't speak Spanish. So <clears throat> I do speak Spanish. Oh, you do here well, we Yeah, actually, do speak Spanish. Then you're that's, from here. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: yeah. That, I feel that's usually like you from Miami. Yeah, you speak Spanish. No, so you're not from so Miami. Okay, I yeah. feel like that's the kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Cliche that I've got in my head. <laughs>
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah, but it's cool. I love it down here obviously like i haven't left so um it was a good move we definitely gave my dad a hard time about it when you know he told us about it but but i adapted really quickly as a kid and now i just love it down here
1: it's never easy when as a kid you you don't understand it's like why am i leaving my friends in school and everything like you don't know what's going on and you don't know what you're gonna get
2: yeah they were like my parents were like the meanest ever and now i realize it was such an amazing decision for our family Yeah. yeah
1: And it's interesting also that the reason you wanted to leave Florida to go to college, was it like a kind of teenager, I want to get away from everything kind of crisis? Yeah, that was
2: definitely a significant component. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, forget this, I want to do my own thing. But also I was just curious because I knew that Florida was so unique from from my previous experience in Boston. So I was just kind of like thirsting to get some unique experiences. And it was cool because in college, I actually had two study abroad opportunities. So I spent like six months in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And then I spent two, it was like two and a half months in Berlin. Um, So it was really cool. Like that college for me was, it really quenched that thirst so much that I was like, okay, now I'm ready to go back to South Florida.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a good timing to explore grow do your thing (laughs) and then settle down somewhere again and that's cool that's amazing you had the opportunity to get away like how how was Argentina and Germany two really different countries like hot Latino vibe on one side and more like cold I don't know like different kind of personalities like between Argentinian people and German people
2: yeah talking about like contrast so I actually I I signed so I'm gonna g- I'll give you like a little bit of background info so like I in high school um, and maybe it'll help you understand why I was so excited to just get away and do my own thing <clears throat> so throughout high school starting when I was an adolescent I started to like kind of progressively get like really sick like sicker and sicker but between the time I was like 14 you know all the way through until I was finally like figured out what I had when I was almost 20 and so like I, you know, I was very much like my parents were very much there for me, uh, but they're very protective of me because I started having a lot of significant health issues. And so by the time I was 18, like none of it was resolved. Um, It was still going on, but I was so sick of just people like hovering over me, even though it was totally out of love and concern. I just wanted to get away. So my parents, I'm looking back on it. I'm totally blown away that they allowed me to leave. But, you know, I I, at 18, I was pretty ill and I went away to college and um, I would fly back frequently uh, to see doctors because it wasn't until I was 20 that they diagnosed this like rare condition that I have. Um, But by the time that I was like in junior year, which is at at Richmond, like that's when you study abroad, um, I was like so I was doing so much better they had figured out what I had and I was just like oh my god I want to study abroad and so my mom's like well why don't you consider doing a a summer program instead of a full semester and I was like okay but I ended up applying to both so I applied to a summer program and a full semester and I got accepted to both and then I got a scholarship for the the summer program so I was like mom, I'm, dad, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do both. So I literally like, as soon as I was better and I was really just so happy to be healthy and moving and like feeling strong again, that I left for Berlin and I went to Berlin for two and a half months. I came back to Weston and my parents' house for a week. And then I went to Argentina for oh, six wow. months. So, back to so back. <laughs> I was like, I hit the ground running, like as soon as I could. Um, and I have to say like, as excited as I was to go to Argentina after Berlin, I was just like, oh my God, like, what is this place? Because it was, I had, I had actually been to Buenos Aires before, but like being there as a, like a resident, like almost like a local, it was a totally different experience. And like, just now I totally love and appreciate the culture, but it was such a stark contrast from Berlin where people are a lot more reserved and, you know, to themselves, polite And, and Argentina is like, especially, you know, like when you go out and how forward the men are there, I was totally overwhelmed that I was just like calling my parents, like, I don't know why I did this. I want to go, I want to go back home or go back to Berlin. But after a couple of weeks, I was like in love. And then by the time it was the six months were up, I was just so sad that I had to leave. It was truly like one of the best experiences of my life.
1: That's amazing. I guess also how, after having health issues you you obviously appreciated it even more because you didn't take it just for granted and and you were actually grateful to be able to go places and 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 just enjoy without worrying about whatever it was
2: oh my god it was like I couldn't even put into words how ecstatic I was to have that level of freedom and that level of like power and strength and just autonomy it like you you, obviously like at that age you're kind of getting more and more of a taste of that and it feels good but I think I it felt so much better for me than it could for you know for a lot of other people just because of what what I was coming from and I did have that perspective of of the the total opposite and always having that in my mind to compare things to and just be very very grateful for all the opportunities that I got. Mm.
0: So let me ask about the illness then. Um I didn't know anything about this before we started, so I'm curious. When did it start and what did it start with? And then I guess what are you what have you been diagnosed with and what, what is that situation, if you don't mind sharing?
2: Yeah, I don't mind sharing at all um I think it's cool to share about it so even though like sometimes I get a little emotional sharing about it it's not because of shyness or anything it's just because the experience was so 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 real to me yeah
0: I'm gonna cry oh yeah she, <laughs> Jeremy's on as, top of it as soon as anybody wells up and starts crying <laughs> I automatically I don't even know the story and I'm already crying <laughs> here,
2: so yeah, it's uh, totally. I'm I'm a crier, and I'm I've I've gotten to be very comfortable with crying in front of people. So it's totally fine if, if we cry together. I would really that would make this experience even more meaningful. Um, but where was I? So I think like you know, it's it's when I talk about it, it's sometimes I get emotional, and it's just because it's it's very real to me. But it's I I really I think in our culture, it's like very normal to not want to like approach these subjects. And I really appreciate it when people go out there and do ask, because I think it's so cool to learn about the different layers that people have. And like, I think maybe my thought process is maybe by someone learning about this like deep kind of like hidden layer of me, that maybe it'll make them think like, wow, there's probably so much that I don't know about other people and prompt them to go deeper. And that's exactly what you guys are doing on this podcast. So I just think it's, it's really, really awesome. Um, but yeah, so the, the illness started, I guess, kind of like unbeknownst to me right around my, when I hit adolescence and I, um, I started having like weird circulation issues. So like every time I would hold a cup, like my whole hand would turn white. And so that was like diagnosed as this like random phenomenon that, is called rainouts, and then, like, you know, a year later, I started noticing that I started, like, by the time I was maybe 14 or 15, I started noticing I had this, like, blotchiness just in random parts on my skin, and so my mom, like, took me to a dermatologist, and we found out, the, the dermatologist told me I was just going to the beach too much, which was very likely, because I was at the beach all the time with my friends, and then, um, when I was like 15 or 16, I got the flu vaccine and most people get, they get vaccines and they're fine and it helps them. And I'm totally not like against vaccines at all. Uh, I just, for me, when I got the flu vaccine, I became very ill for like six to eight months. I just kept getting the flu over and over again. And by the time I had kind of recovered from that period um I know we started noticing that I was just weaker so I started working like with a trainer doing Pilates but like it was just kind of strange because there was a lot of like basic things that I couldn't do like for example if I was laying flat like I couldn't lift my head up off off of a pillow or something and those are such like basic movements that we take for granted but like for me, at a time where I'm kind, my body's changing, I'm going through adolescence and like puberty, and then all of a sudden, as all of this is happening, my body's changing in all these other ways, at the time it was really hard for me to, st- to decipher what was normal and what wasn't. and I was really afraid to ask. So, like, my body just kind of, like, started falling apart on me, and I was so embarrassed and so afraid to speak up about it that it wasn't until things started to become really noticeable, which was actually after I got the meningitis vaccine for college things started to really escalate and I lost so much strength like it was first it was my neck and then it was my shoulder and then it would just kind of it was kind of like just systematically like side by side going through my body so my right shoulder my left shoulder my abdo- abdomen my hips like and so by the time I was like and and this throughout all of this please don't get me wrong like we are on top of it. Like my mom and dad are taking me to like every doctor they can imagine, like neurologists um, doing like as much as they possibly can. And also like dealing with my resistance. Cause I was kind of like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's okay. Even though like I totally wasn't, but I just figured, you know, like maybe I can make things fine by pretending that they are. Um, So even by the time I, I guess by the time I got home from college after my freshman year, I was in agony. Like, I was in so much pain. I remember feeling like when I woke up in the morning, like straightening out my arms or any type of movement, I felt like it, I was like a rusty hinge, like finally being open after years. Like, that's what it felt like. So sophomore year, I was determined. I'm like, I'm, I'm going back to school, even though my health was rapidly deteriorating and I was tripping so much and falling, like, because like I, my muscles were just i was losing all my strength and no one could figure out what was going on i we had done so many painful tests like um spinal tap um like this thing i think it's called the emg i I think that's what it's called where they're like basically like electrocuting your nerves to figure out where if you have any nerve damage so Once I got back to school sophomore year, I I realized I couldn't even like walk to class without falling. So I they made a lot of accommodations for me, like they allowed me to park in the teacher's parking lot so I could drive to class. But it was really unmanageable. So my mom and dad at that point were like, we can't continue seeing these doctors in Florida. It's been, you know, almost. Like five or six years that we've been seeing doctors, and no one is figuring out this is only getting worse. So, we actually started going to Mount Sinai in New York. And after, like, so I was, and at the same time, I was getting these um, immunoglobulin infusions, um, which is, I guess, in the medical field, they kind of think of it as um, like voodoo in medicine, because uh, for whatever reason, it was helping me feel better, but no one really knew why so every month I would leave school uh, for a week and I would get all my assignments and I would sit in a hospital for five days and get this blood infusion and it was helping but it wasn't curing me it was just helping me to continue like kind of where I was so then sophomore year like around September October was when we started going to Mount Sinai in New York and after the third trip to New York Um, I insisted to my mom that we go see a dermatologist because I was like, this weird blotchiness that has started since I was a kid, it's escalating along with my muscle weakness, so I think this is connected, so let's just go see a really good dermatologist, and lo and behold, within 30 seconds of the chief of dermatology at Mount Sinai seeing me, he was like, oh, you have dermatomyositis. This is amazing. This is so rare. Do you mind if I take some pictures of it? And he was like so excited that he just like, I was like this specimen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he called in all of, his, all of his residents. Everyone's examining me. At this point, my circulation was so bad. Like some of my fingers were like purple and blue. I remember he takes out his camera. He's like, this is incredible. And taking pictures of me. And I didn't care. I was just so happy that someone knew what the hell was going on with me. And I just remember like, leaving that appointment just like feeling like the weight of the world was off of my shoulders and um yeah and that was when we learned that this is a tr- very treatable condition it's it sucks if it's not treated it just basically goes through all of your muscle groups it's an autoimmune condition so it, it's like your immune system attacks your muscles so it just goes through one by one all of your muscles until it finally reaches your heart and that's when it, it takes you so actually like right when I got the diagnosis, we went to um, Cleveland Clinic in Florida under all of the instructions of the doctors in Mount Sinai, and they tested my heart, and it was attacking my heart, so I, I my heart was not functioning well at all, and so it was amazing how how we caught it in that timing, and yeah, and so I just got, like, steroid infusions, and just like within within like months i was like walking normally again starting to feel better and um and yeah that i mean that wasn't the end of the health journey but that was like the big that was a really big piece of it because that was figuring out this like unsolved mystery in my life and kind of like getting a hold of my own body which was just kind of like falling apart before my eyes so um it was a really incredible experience and Everything related to my health that I've been through has has been I look at it all now with so much gratitude because kind of like talking about perspective like we were like it's given me so much perspective and and I've you know otherwise would have had such a privileged life and you know I I do have such a privileged life like I have so many amazing people and so much support and you know I have such supportive parents like so have something like this happen to me is is truly a blessing in disguise because it it helps me to feel so much more grounded and and connected to you know reality and it it's not always it it's not always rosy no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> I'm always rosy you are exactly <laughs> I can't be anyone else <laughs> but you know it's it's it was I, I do look at all of this with so much gratitude now and to give you like I'll just say a little bit more um after college, I, I had another flare-up. And unfortunately, I wasn't, I don't think I was making the best decisions for my health at the time. And then coupled with the fact that I was working a really stressful job in Miami, this was like right after I graduated and moved to Miami. And then also I was under the care of a new doctor who was really negligent in the way that he was prescribing me my medication. And looking back, like it was absolutely malpractice. And he really did a number on my body with what he told me to take every day. Um, and you know, I, I didn't know any better and we put so much of our faith into these doctors, but really like there's not, they're not all good. And so, um, that was, that was a really bad one. So it it got really, it got worse for a long time before it got better. And then once it got better, it was like the second time of my life that I had to rehabilitate my whole body. So, um, I did. And it was like three years of, of intense physical therapy. And I always say like, I mean, it was kind of comical how many elderly people I watched come in there, get killed and leave. And I would just like keep coming back, like month after month. Like, oh, and I met so many new old people in the physical therapy. Um, but I just kept going back. And um, after three years, I wasn't fully rehabilitated, but I was doing really well. I was even like running. Uh, I did like a five k, which was such a huge accomplishment for me. Which. I know it's not a he- really long race, but for me, that was a lot. So I trained for a 5K. I did the 5K. And then I realized, like, I don't want to keep going to physical therapy. I can't do this. So I told my physical therapist, I'm, I'm not, I don't, it's no offense to you, but I can't keep coming here. Like, what do you think about this? Because I, I just know that I can't keep coming back. And he said, you know, like, I think you should get a trainer and like go to a gym and feel like a normal person in your 20s. And so I did. And, and, um. Well, I, I planned to. Then uh funny enough, that weekend after I had just finished my three years of physical therapy, I was supposed to be going to uh, lunch with a friend. And he wanted wanted to celebrate that I was done with physical therapy. He knew what I had been through. And um last minute he said, Well, instead of lunch, my friend just got a boat. Like, why don't we why don't we go on the boat together? I was like, Hell yeah, I want to go on a boat and celebrate. That sounds awesome. Well, He he crashed the boat. I broke my shoulder. I got a brain contusion. I was in the ICU for a week, and like it totally shook up my life. It in more ways than it had ever been shaken up before. So it was like, you know, you really can't make this shit up. Like (laughs) like it's absolutely incredible to me. Like even when I tell this story, I get goosebumps that this is how things went down. But once again, like so many things in my life that I, that are really positive and good now, like, are all because that happened to me, so just, you know, life happens for us and not to us, and, like, all of these experiences have really, really shown me that, but it's pretty, pretty crazy how, how things happen. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) I was not expecting
0: any of that. (laughs) I don't know how you could ever expect that. How can anyone
2: expect that? Um, (laughs) So,
1: what
0: are you take? So, what's your medication now? Do you take pills every day, or how do you manage
2: that? Actually, as of about a month ago, I'm completely off of my medication. Yeah, I manage everything now. I've been healing myself like holistically while still being on my medication. Um, you know, for the, I would say I've been really hitting it hard since after the accident. I, I started having, it was actually like the accident was helpful in a very weird way, because after that boating accident, I started reacting to everything like chemicals around me, um, you know, cleaning products in my apartment, foods. I started having migraines all the time. It took me months to figure out that it was the food and the chemicals, In my life that were making me have these headaches but I ended up like going to a holistic doctor who recommended that I do an elimination diet and um, I I did that And, and then my migraines went away and not only did my migraines go away but my inflammation levels in my body which is like the marker for my autoimmune condition they started to be the lowest that they ever were so I took all these like inflammatory foods out of my diet nothing to do with my autoimmune condition but it ended up being so beneficial for my overall health and it's like now i'm i really have i'm pretty much still on that that similar diet and um i've like taken a bunch of supplements for a really long time and that's now how i keep my immunity under control and now i'm you know, I saw my doctor last month and he completely took me out. I had been weaning for a while and he said, you know, you can stop taking them completely. And especially now with this COVID, like I don't want to be on immunosuppressive medication, which is what I was on. So it's pretty cool. I Right now I have a healthy functioning immune system. Mm.
0: It's crazy to have gone from what you went through as a teenager to now being off medication and being able to be in charge of your own health you know with your food and your diet and everything that you kind of like taking back charge and knowing what's wrong but also being able to know how to like self-medicate I guess or
1: not relying on 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 the drugs and on the medicine and everything like you're like you said like in charge in a sense also it's crazy like being a teenager is not fun for anyone (laughs) it's hard like it's like you're you're talking about your body changing like going through puberty and being a teenager, especially I guess as a woman mm. uh physically like you change even more than a man like that's already confusing by itself uh and it's also a time where you're like your emotions are like a roller coaster uh finding friends uh I don't know when you're a teenager, you always feel weird in a sense and you try to find. tribe or people where you belong and and teenagers like to take the peace out of each other about whatever is going on and stuff like that so i mean it is a confusing time of life for everyone but i mean going through that at the same time must have been so confusing scary a hell of a roller coaster like i don't even know (laughs) like it must have been a, a hell of a journey and now seeing you like paddleboarding in a bay of miami with dolphins i mean you appreciate it i guess even way more than we do yeah. probably <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's beautiful now
2: yeah thank you yeah it's, it has been such a journey such a journey and like moments like that like when when i went paddle like i'm going paddle boarding with my friend Marina who's been incredibly supportive of just like you can do it Katie like even though I still have my weaknesses just like pushing me in the most supportive way and 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 like pushing me knowing that like it was going to be this amazing reward of like having these experiences seeing dolphins like Have like that day I've I've seen the couple the the dolphins in the the bay a few times but like there was this one day where I was playing with the dolphins for like over an hour I was chasing them they were chasing me and like like I can't even put into words how elated that I was it's like to to be able to have the strength to play with the dolphins and like, so maybe I, you know, I post the pictures on the Instagram and everybody's like, that's so cool. But like, no one will ever know how, how you felt. cool that yeah. was for me. in so many different ways than people could ever imagine. Mm.
1: Yeah. Emotionally, it must be, it's a whole other level compared to, I don't know, if I was seeing dolphins, cause you, you know where you come from, obviously. And you, again, you appreciate yeah. it even, even more.
2: Yeah. It was like, it, i've all i've always felt a really strong connection with dolphins since i was l- a little kid and i i think like just being in that moment i just felt so lucky and like powerful like and and just just so grateful like I still when I think about it it just feels like it was a dream because they were underneath my board like jumping up next to my board and then hiding underneath and then at one point I fell off of my board and I was like oh shit like I don't know if I want to be like in the water with them and Marina said that they were like swimming towards me but I like hopped back on my board because I was like I'm not ready for that (laughs) but it was it was incredible yeah
1: yeah well I understand now also going away traveling after all that also like not knowing for such a long time like whatever's going on in life not knowing is scary because you don't know what's going on you 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 make up stories in your mind you expect the worst and yeah not knowing is sucks for anything like health or job stuff like i mean it's not easy uh but like five six years that's a really long time also to stress and be anxious and i can't even imagine i mean but yeah the relief like when this guy told you this is here i mean yeah even if he was a funny character it must have been such a whew, eventually <laughs> about time I right? and and yeah being able to just enjoy simple things of life after that again like things that we take for granted i guess especially when we're at college about going out and partying and i don't know going to Football game in the U.S. or stuff like that. Like, I guess, yeah, it's it's worth so much when when you've been through that.
2: Yeah, everything becomes so much more meaningful and fulfilling. And I I learned so many lessons too along the way that I don't know how I would have really they would have resonated so deeply and like become such a part of who I am now. Like, had I not been been through this, like even once, so once I got diagnosed, like, you would think that I, immediately I would have, I did for sure, like, initially just feel so much relief, but then it was kind of like, okay, now I want to be better, like, I'm not better, I'm not, like, why am I not strong yet? I want to be strong and it, and I started, like, after maybe four or five months of being on the treatment and doing the physical therapy, I started to just get, kind of get, like, a little bit pessimistic, and at when I when the pessimism kicked in my progress plateaued and so I was still in school like I continued going to college and um I remember calling my my brother was always like was incredibly supportive to me through this time I have an older brother he's three and a half years older than me and so we would have like regular phone conversations and he could pick up on my negativity and he's like Kate this is my brother like keeping it real all the time like Kate like come on like you if you're gonna be negative then everything around you is gonna be negative like you have to have a you have to be optimistic, like." you're young, like, you're going to get better, you just have to be patient and be optimistic, and he he, he knew that I had just seen the movie The Secret, which had kind of, like, recently, be- I don't know if it had just come out, it just become popular at the time, and he's, like, think about the, the secret, it's real, like, you have to be positive, and so that conversation stuck with me so much, like, to this day, that as far as, like, our mindset, like, creating what's around us and the stories that we tell ourselves like creating our reality and and it's it's just so real to me now and has is such an integral part of who I am and how I see the world that like I don't know how I would have you know really understood that without having been through something like that and understood it at you know such an early age age because you know you're really young in your 20s and pretty naive generally speaking but I learned a lot of like very adult lessons um in a, in a really intense way and I'm, I'm just so grateful for those experiences
0: how was school in terms of friends because I think if you'd have gone to my school you would have been bullied because I didn't go to a great school how was your experience was it hard or did you have friends supporting you how was that in
2: um in high school um I had a I had a great group of friends in high school and the thing was that like although I was really suffering and and it, it gradually got worse over the, over the years like I didn't really tell anybody about my suffering and I was I looked normal so I kind of went along with that. It's incredible how resilient you are too like at at, at like that age and how strong your mind is. Yeah, cuz I just was like in total denial and I was just going to act normal and pretend I was like I was normal as much as possible and just do whatever I could do there were certain things that I remember happening like one of the issues was my core strength and I remember one time I um someone like tapped like tapped me a little bit when I was sitting on a chair without a back on it and I just fell backwards on the chair I couldn't stop myself and I remember like everyone was laughing and so then I'm like I'm laughing even like this isn't funny but I'm like trying to act like it's funny um but like, you know, other than that, I had I people did they weren't trying to be mean. They didn't really know. They had no, I didn't give them the information to be able to do anything otherwise. Like that, you know, so so other than that, like I had a great group of friends that I hung out with. And, you know, two of my friends from high school are still like two of my best friends to this day and have, have been so supportive of me like all along. Of course, there's some friends that like, you know they had a hard time with it once i started talking more about it once i got to college and kind of opening up to friends it was it was interesting because i learned really really easily like who was like my yeah. ride or die <laughs> cuz some some people you know especially at that age they just can't handle that type of information and so they start to distance themselves but as far as like being bullied it was never for my condition Bullied, absolutely, but it was because I was a nerd, not be <laughs> not because of my condition. And I still am a nerd. I like, you know, at school I I'm I'm embraced- yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't expect that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you you said also that when you came back to Miami, uh, it wasn't easy because you had a really stressful job after graduating. What were you doing at the time?
2: So I. I'm a masochist and decided that I wanted to become a teacher in the inner city in Miami after graduate. So I did teach for America, which is like an AmeriCorps. I think it's still Amer- an AmeriCorps program. I don't, I'm not really sure now, but, um, yeah, I did that. I applied for that. It was, they did a great job of recruiting me. And, um, I once again, like one, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done, but I learned so much, um, from that experience. And, um, even though I wasn't able to complete the time with them because it is a two year commitment and I became so sick that I couldn't keep going to work. Um, Like I, I learned so much from those kids and there's three of those kids that I still keep in touch with to this day. They're, they're in college now. I I was taught them in fourth grade and um, yeah, shout out Levante, Abigail and Samoya. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're amazing. And so like, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, not something I think is a fair profession at all. I think I was like, I think teachers sadly are really exploited, especially like, especially the teachers that are working at these failing schools, um, which just don't have the necessary resources to help the kids succeed. So, so there's so much being demanded of you, but like, it's just the the cards are stacked against yeah, you. There's so
1: much you can do with I, limited, super yeah. limited resources.
2: Yeah, and it's not even. I can't even blame you know behavior the kids like that was the least of my worries it was really just this whole system and how it's made for privileged white kids and how i'll never forget my very first lesson with my kids because i had to do this test prep for the it was called the fcat at the time the standardized florida florida test. um so I, i remember the very first fcat lesson that i did the very first question or the very first lesson the question was about had the question was had the word hammock in it and I'm telling you I had a class of 25 kids not one of those kids knew what a hammock was because a hammock is something that you put in your patio or your backyard and my kids don't didn't have backyards or patios you know so like like that was a very rude awakening and and for me realizing like how how biased our our system is and it really inspired me and continues to inspire me to do what I'm doing today when it comes to like working in the community and helping our kids Um, because it's just it's this this system wasn't designed for them to succeed and I think the more that people realize it the more that we can actually like take do something about it because most people don't realize how much the system is completely like stacked against them
1: just just before recording we were talking about how we think we have a normal education that's a perfect example like it's a little thing but like you said it's yeah it's eye-opening there's so much we don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the more i talk to people i realize there's so much i have no idea in this world like yeah so that that's why oh, Gone. Go uh that's why <laughs> i guess now you're doing this this work uh, with the nonprofit, with with the kids, it's like the continuation of. That.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I um after I after I left Teach for America, and I I just kind of needed to focus on my own recovery and getting my strength back. I was like it was so hard to, for me to even walk from my car up the stairs to my classroom every day and even my school like w- there was an elevator it was a really old school it was in overtown but like no, I couldn't they wouldn't give me the key to the elevator there w- I was treated just like a minion and no one was care really cared about the fact that I was very ill and no one was making accommodations for me and I mean my direct supervisor was incredibly supportive but she just could only do so much and when it came to the principal and like it it was you know it was not it was not at all it, they didn't they they didn't even though I was a really good teacher and my kids were doing great like it I felt what it felt like to just be like just this you know number like I'm just there and you just need to deliver and that's it so, um, I forget what, what was your right? well,
1: like I, I was trying to relate the work you're doing now. Oh with right. Non-profit yes. Then. Yeah, yeah,
2: okay. So after that, I was so I, I was so burnt out. I took time and just like focused on myself, um, really just my health. And um, I, I started going back to work part time um, at the company that my dad works at, which is this really awesome uh, audio company called JL Audio. And so I started working in the marketing department like once a week, just like helping a little bit with social media. And then I started getting better and better and I was like, dad, I don't wanna work here more. So I they hired me part time. Uh, so I was going in every day for a few hours doing all the social media. And then eventually I kind of created this o- this position for myself because social media was so new at the time. But then, you know, Facebook ads came out. We were one of the first companies to advertise on Facebook. So I, I grew our, our following on Facebook from like couple thousand people to by the time I left we had like 700,000 Facebook followers like 160,000 Instagram followers so like from the like beginning of social media and then like doing that it was really cool, was cool yeah. it, it was fun <laughs> but you know after after like five years there I was like okay like this is cool and I'm getting a lot of incredible opportunities but, like, I really miss the kids. And throughout this whole time, I was staying in contact with my a few of my fourth graders who kept calling me. So I kept meeting up with them, taking them places, just being a mentor for them. And um, I always imagined that I would want to go back to working with kids, but I never thought that I would be, like, back at, you know, at a school system. Like, no freaking way was I going to be a teacher in the Miami-Dade public school system again. Um, so I always imagined myself at an aftercare program and like incredible how we can manifest things for ourselves if we really put our minds to it. Because after about five or six years of working at Jail Audio um, and like probably four years of being there full time, um, I got a call from my old supervisor from when I was teaching at the elementary school. The one that I told you was really supportive of me and she called me and she's like I have a position that I think you're really going to love and it was to be this the director of this um nonprofit organization in in Coconut Grove called um called the Barnyard and it's um an after school care program and we also provide summer camp and social services to the West Grove so it's <clears throat> predominantly black like 95% black and um I here I am like this not only am I White, I'm, you know, I'm a woman, and I'm young, and I'm kind of just like in charge of the center, and it was, it was really, it was not easy, um, but I, I was the director there for four years, and um, I continue to work there now. Um, I, I took a, a position as the mental health like coordinator for the mental health program there because um, I actually resigned from the director position um, to go back to school to get my master's because. Now I'm at University of Miami studying um, ma- marriage and family therapy. I really want to be a child psychologist. Um, so, you know, it was really cool how this, they were able to make this position for me. And I've been able to, as I'm pursuing my education, I'm growing this mental health program um, at the barnyard. Uh, and, and that's really like now, even before, before they, our kids needed it. And now in this pandemic, our kids really need it so um it's it's worked out pretty well
1: there's something i wonder is where is this desire uh to work with kids uh coming from is that something you've always had in you or is just an opportunity how did you end up actually like getting into this the school system and especially the to help kids in in needs you know how do you end up there
2: that's that's a good question. Um, it kind of just, it kind of I guess could, like it, it was like fate because when I was in college, I was, um, I was a really good student and you know I was really curious. I also was a, a TA, so I had like my own Spanish class that I was that I was in charge of, and I, I did that for two years. I I knew I liked teaching. I I really loved that whole dynamic, and I felt like I was really good at it. Um. And I knew like I have a lot lot of energy, like I'm a little ADHD and hyperactive. So like it worked well in the classroom because I was animated, like people were really engaged with me and I felt like I I did well teaching on the college level. Um, But then when it was time to graduate, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And and Teach for America just did a really good job recruiting me. Um, And so it's funny how they were, they, it was such a competitive program, and, like, they did such an amazing job of making it seem like this is, like, the best job that you can get after college, and it's, like, truly the job that nobody wants, but, like, <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, because it's just, it's such a hard job, but I, I, I just, I guess I really, I decided to do it, um, because I was like, I, I know that I like teaching. I don't know what I want to do. Um, I don't think I want to be a teacher forever. But like, I think that while I've, I I guess I had it in my mind that like, while I figure myself out, like I want to get, I want to use my skills and give back in the process. And so I never really imagined that like, that giving back was going to actually give me just as much, if not more than what I was giving. Like it was such like a mutually beneficial um, exchange being in that, in that, in that position. So I had, I guess it's like a little egotistical looking back on it, like, oh, I'm going to go into this impoverished community. I'm going to give back. But really like, you know, that experience gave me everything I needed to continue, um, and do, you know, what I'm doing now, what I want to do in the future. So in, in, once I was in that role, I realized just like how awesome it was to work with kids and like, just how rewarding it was how cool kids are and how fun they are and like how uninhibited they are and it was just amazing how they i really felt like they were able to just bring out the best in me and um help me to see things in a fresh new way and you know kids generally You know, of course, there's exceptions, but they're not. They're not. They don't have so much of a jaded perspective like we can have as adults sometimes. Like they're so wide eyed and bushy tailed, and it's like really incredible to be surrounded by them on an ongoing basis. And to this day, I I feel like they keep me so young, and I I still feel so much like a kid and so much in touch with my childhood self because of. The influence that kids have on my life, so it to me, it's just like really energizing and exciting and fun. And I'm very much like, you know, I'm I I can't do one thing for a really long time, and most kids can't either. So like me working with kids works really well, and they like me because I'm I'm silly, and I don't mind I don't mind being silly, and and for kids to be able to see adults acting silly is is such an amazing experience for them to have I think all kids should be able to interact with goofy adults but it's it's not you know it doesn't always happen so it just I just realized that it felt right and it worked really well and even though I didn't want to continue being like a teacher by you know definition like inside of me I think I'm naturally a teacher like I really enjoy teaching and I really enjoy teaching kids so it just kind of it's stuck and it's it's it, it, it just feels right for me and as much as I have you know, I I enjoy uh working with adults when I need to, like I totally prefer working with kids.
1: So you mentioned that right now you're working on your master to so you're specializing in mental health for kids, right?
2: Yeah. yeah, the 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 degree is is it's in counseling and it's called marriage and it's a concentration in marriage and family therapy. Um, because family therapy is really what you need to study if you want to be, you know, work with kids. So Right now I'm on the, you know, doing the master's level. Um, so when I graduate after I finish my hours, I'll be a marriage and family therapist and I really would like to work with families but and you know, parents but in the context of working with their child. I don't I don't know at this point that I would necessarily want to have adult clients. I'm not sure though. I I'm, I'm so I'm still in the beginning of this journey and figuring it out, but my my goal is really to be able to work with kids therapeutically in a way that involves creativity and learning and exploration. Um, so there's, there's a lot that I still want to, that I still need to and want to learn. And this just kind of feels like the beginning. Um, but that's the goal. Like I, in my mind to one day, like have a space where I can be creative where kids can come be creative and, and feel empowered, um, to, to be who be themselves and work through their issues um in an unconventional way, not in like a you know sitting across from each other in chairs, but like allowing kids to play and explore and using those experiences as opportunities to grow and learn um, yeah. yeah,
1: that sounds really cool. I like that nice space <laughs> Thanks, yeah. no yeah and and like you you said before, it's much needed. Uh, we're actually talking about that recently um it's when you think about like, everything like w- with what's going on with covid uh you know and as a kid it must be so confusing to see people wearing masks uh not being allowed to interact and touch and play with each other and seeing people being scared of each other and not being able to go to the playground and and i don't know, you know touch things and just do kid stuff it, it must be pretty confusing and it's gonna have an impact right it's somehow it's gonna left a trauma there probably for sure and i, I don't know what kind like how it's, it's gonna be but for sure it's it's gonna leave something for those for those kids because i mean we as adults I mean, we can understand a bit better, but we are still going to be impacted by that for sure. Uh, but as kids, when you don't fully understand what's going on, um, it's like teaching it's them at their
0: most vulnerable, like learning stages, to be scared of everyone and everything, mm. and not to touch anything or anyone. Or, like, I mean, you're always told as children anyway, don't touch strangers, but especially now, like, don't even touch things in the supermarket. Don't touch. It, like, it's going to be mm. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, it, I mean, it it already
2: is affecting them for sure. I mean, even I work now, I'm in the clinical part of my education. So I'm, I'm working in two different sites doing therapy, all on Zoom, but doing therapy with kids like all day. And it's, it's already affecting them. And you're right, it's so confusing. And it's, it's hard as a kid to be able to decipher, like, this isn't personal, like that this person can no longer hug me. Mm -hmm. But you know, you you that those these kids are feeling the rejection. And there, there's so much uh, distance now between them and the world and, uh, for kids especially like the kids that I work with they just I mean all kids but especially kids in these like higher risk situations uh, you know they, they need the love and the affection of the people around them and so so for that to be so much less or non-existent now it's 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 really it's we're seeing that it's doing a lot to them now and you know I think as the years go by and we see uh, g- these generations get older and develop, we're going to see the impact that it's going to have on them developmentally um, on the long term, for sure.
1: Yeah, because usually the the emotional trauma that you can have as a kid is impacting you later on your relationships. I, yeah, it's in, in like 10, 15, yeah, 15 years when they're going to be adults. It's... I mean, yeah, I don't know, we'll see, but it's, it's for sure going to have some kind of impact.
2: Right. And when you think about trauma, I mean, trauma can be so many different things, but uh, a lot of the time we think of trauma as like one traumatic event. But like this is like this ongoing, everyday trauma for these kids, for a, lo- a lot of kids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, through... Even on Zoom, I just try to create this space for human connection and love and sharing and, and um, virtually try to like be there and be with them uh, as much as possible. And it helps, but it's not the same. It's not the same.
1: Right, I'm gonna switch subject and talk about something totally different. I don't know how to make a smooth transition. I was so, trying to think because I was like, "How can so we relate I'm, I'm, I'm this?" I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> uh, I know you have a deep passion for music. Uh, so you're a DJ. You've been a DJ for a few years, like ten years or something like that.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I learned how to DJ in 2011, um, but I didn't. I, I call it going public with my DJing skills. That didn't happen until um I guess it was like the beginning of, of twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. That was when I that was when I really started to go public with it. Okay. Before then I was really just collecting records and and ever DJing ever in ever my ever. DJing in my apartment or maybe For like friends if they came over if they were lucky i was really shy about it i thought it was so bad and i was never wanted to play for anybody and then like i became friends with um i've been on i've been going out in miami and on the music scene in miami since i moved here in 2010 like 2010 like i hit the ground running in the music scene like it's it's been a huge part of um of my life for a long time and even in in college you know i was going to a lot of shows in virginia and i've always been into music as as a kid i was like really into like dashboard confessional fallout boy as a little kid i was like obsessed with insane like i always had like music music in my life and it was always really powerful it was never just like there it was always like some type of obsession or fascination and a lot of that has to do with my dad. Like he's, you know, he's in the audio industry. He loves music. My mom is really into musicals. So she's always taken me to musicals like throughout my whole life. So music's just been a really important part of my life. Um, so like when I was, you know, I guess it was like 2018, the end of 2018, I met uh who's someone who's now, like, my sister and best friend. Her name's Becky Powell, and she's, like, this totally badass Miami DJ, amazing on vinyl. She's also an incredible visual artist. And I was, like, a fangirl. Like, my friend introduced me to her, and – was like you have to go to her you have to come to the electric pickle at this time to see her play so I, I, I made sure I got there I caught her whole set I was totally like girl crush like this girl's amazing and I saw her upstairs at the, the electric pickle later on that was like my spot I, that was like such an important part of my musical development was the electric pickle in those 10 amazing years that it was open um so I you know I met her upstairs on the dance floor later on I'm like you're so cool I love your set and she you know liked my energy and and she kind of I guess she tells me now she felt like an instant connection with me too and it was like ever since that day we've been best friends and um I didn't even tell her that I DJed for like the first few months that we were friends and then I remember one day I like sent her a picture of my setup and I told her that I DJed she's like oh my god like why didn't you tell me this before but I guess you kind of have like this imposter syndrome which I totally had like I just was like I'm a amateur I don't know what you know I'm not really I'm not really a DJ. people would ask me oh you you're a DJ because they would see my equipment I'm like I'm not a DJ I just DJ <laughs> so she saw that like I did this and I was like well let me hear you so she taught me how to play on her equipment which was like CDJs and I only had like the turntables the vinyl turntables and she wanted to hear my music taught me how to use the equipment and was like you're great like you just need to like practice more on this equipment and get used to like what's in the clubs because my equipment is not what's in the clubs she's like and you're you could do this and and she was part of this dj collective at the time called the fates and i thought it was so amazing what she was doing it was her and um this girl named dariana her dar electric and mao whose dj name is mao and like they had this like group of like badassery and I was like that is so cool so you know they really supported me and were like just just practice and you got this so I did and it was at Loveburn in two thousand. 19 that i um becky really was like just get up there and play and i did and i played like the whole weekend and i fucked up so many times but it didn't matter because i was having so much fun and and nobody cared and that was a big for me to realize that my mistakes were really mostly only noticed by me and like (laughs) getting over that was was a big part of it and so after Loveburn, becky kept encouraging me just keep practicing just keep practicing I didn't realize, but she had it in her mind the whole time that she wanted me to be in this collective with her and her friends. And so by July, July or August, yeah, July, that was it. She she and the girls uh, and the Fates asked me to open for them at their residency at the New Yorker Patio Bar in um, like the Upper East Side of Miami. So I was like, okay, so I, I, I played for two hours, like, 20 of my friends came. It was like the most exciting thing ever because they're like, she's actually finally like doing this in public. And then when I was done with my set, they're like, we really want you to to join the Fates. And I and then it was like literally the next day, like I was a DJ and I was getting like I had I was being propped up by these like really powerful, talented, established uh, female DJs in Miami. And so like immediately like I started doing things with them. Like I was playing with. A month later, I was playing at a club in New York City with the Fates wow. called TVA Brooklyn, like this really incredible club, like like just like a month after I started being public with like it was crazy, like just all of a sudden, like I was a DJ and it was so cool. Like and I, I, I don't take it for granted because I know some people like they really have to like really work for a long time to just get close to where I got so fast but thanks to the support of these women like I just I've been so lucky to have all these amazing opportunities that not only have helped me to like get gigs and like do awesome stuff but like become so much better at what I do in such a short period of time like it's been like a really steep growth curve for me and it's so much thanks to like all of these like incredible learning opportunities I say like every time I DJ with Becky like I'm like that's my I'm like in the classroom because I can just watch her and learn from her and she's so humble she's like well I'm learning from you too but like she is like you know I'm like I'm like well, come on really like <laughs> so and and the same with the other girls like they're just so talented and and so abundant with their like mindset and you know as far as wanting to just share and help me grow and watch me do well and I've been so lucky to you know, to be around a lot of people like that. My other friend, uh, Lance, who I also DJ with a lot, he's, he's a real established DJ. He's been doing this for so long and, you know, he loves me and he likes, he thinks I'm good. And so he gives me all these incredible opportunities you know, and I learned so much from him. So I've just been so, so lucky. Um, but it all happened so freaking fast. Like, it's crazy how fast everything happened. Like, overnight. And it was funny, like, seeing all these different re- reactions from friends. Like, I didn't even know you DJed. Like, how did this happen? Like And now, then all of a sudden, I'm just posting all these, like, pictures and videos of me at these clubs in Miami and New York City. Like, they're like, what is going on? But it's been it's been fun. It's been a ride for That's sure. sure. I love that you have those women supporting you because I feel
0: like, I think obviously things are different now, but I feel like when I was younger, it was often like women are pitted against each other. And if you're doing something, I can't share my secrets, I can't possibly help someone else. And I love that you have like women behind you and you're all supporting each other and you're all helping each other and giving each other jobs. And like, I think that's incredible to have that support Mm -hmm. system and have women to back you up and help you. And just, yeah, just, I don't know. I, I think, I think every girl needs that. Every girl needs a, girl group to kind of push them forwards and support them and help them in any way they can.
2: Yeah, totally. And it's not it's not easy for, for in a lot of ways, for female DJs. And, like, pay attention and, and you'll see, like, anytime you look at a lineup and there's a, a woman on there, was, they're I at was, the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, they usually... And Unless it's, like, a very select few. Yeah, or if
1: you have a big festival, they're the one opening at, like, 3 p.m. when there's no one there. Like They never have the the headline, at like, you know, 9, 10, 11... Twelve, like whatever. Yeah. They have like the the shitty sport. Something. Yeah,
2: and and it's not it's not like I mean it's just it's the fact is that it, for a very long time it's been a very male dominated industry. But we're we're seeing a shift now, and the only way that it's going to continue to kind of like balance out because I'm not saying that it should be only women at the top of these lineups, but we need to we need to have some more balance. And the only way is it's going to happen is like by what you said is if we support each other. And it's not just like, you know, the fates too, like they've been so supportive, but also like Joanne, like one of my best friends, like, and, and the opportunities that she seeks out for me and, and how much she wants to help me and support me. And her seeing me thrive is, makes her happy and vice versa like me seeing my female friends like killing it like makes me so happy that my friends are badasses and and like that's that's really how it needs to be if we really want we have to support each other yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think also you it's really interesting everything you said um i think you're really modest because obviously you must be pretty talented to be able to make it that quickly i mean I don't believe in the overnight success it's an overnight success that took eight years because you started in 2011 and and you you went public in 2019 so that's a eight years overnight success okay Um, so you've been practicing and learning the skills and what you needed i guess was more like a psychological push and someone to boost your confidence and yeah, after you just need to practice and you're going to improve technically, I guess, but you you always going to improve, but you needed more the psychological little push to actually get you out there. Um, and then the the rest is obviously the network, but it's your skills and your talent, because I mean, at the end, you, you can be motivated as much as you want, but you would not have any talent. They would have not taken you up there in New York to play, you know, so yeah. Yeah. you deserve it.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's been cool. I think I'm always going to be humble, but like it, it was definitely very validating for all of these amazing talented women to believe in me and to see what was possible for me before I, before I could and and it's it's I definitely could not. I I was so stuck in, th- in the way that I was thinking um that I wouldn't have been able to ever get there without that without that type of support
1: so many people are like that stuck and st- stuck there and they, they have something you know whatever it is use djing can be anything but they're stuck and it's, it's a mindset problem and also they don't have the the people around them to get them out of this bubble and sometimes yeah you need a little kicking in the ass and <laughs> stuff to to actually like push and, and and move but uh so okay so the love of music is coming from your dad and and i mean and your mother as well you, yes. you you've been you, you've been into the music industry and and so from a young age um i love that you actually learn like the old way like with vinyl that's so cool like because uh, right now there's a lot of djs but a lot of dj never touched actually a real <laughs> disc probably and it's saw like electronic and digital and a macbook pro and i am a dj like that's so cool you learned that did you learn everything yourself or
2: no actually i did it's kind of funny i so i this was after i had resigned from my position with Teach for america and i was at a really low point like i was very unhealthy like my health was in the dumps my mindset was really in the dumps I was so sad that I had to like resign and leave these kids because I just felt like I had to put myself before them so I'm home so much because I'm on a medical leave and I just was going crazy because I was like there I couldn't do a lot because I needed to rest but I also was seeking I needed stimulation so I spent so much time online looking for music it's something I've always enjoyed since I was younger even like I remember in, like, middle school, I was the one making mixtapes for all the kids in my class. Like, like it's just something I've always loved. Um, but, like, you know, it's – I guess at that time, it was really – what I needed was just music and I was finding so many awesome this was before like they really cracked down on illegal downloads so I would be on these music blogs all day long just downloading the sickest remixes of these songs like you've never heard these remixes before and so I finally realized like after a few months of just going heavy into this like I want to learn what to do with this music like you know, I would like to I mean, I could play guitar a little bit and I play piano when I was younger. But like I had all these music in front of me that I wanted to to share and, and do something with. Like, how cool would it be if I could actually like learn how to piece it together? So I found this place in Miami called Scratch DJ Academy. And it was it was founded by one of the guys uh, in Run DMC, Jim Master J. And uh, it's like you go there and it's like this huge roundtable of DJ setups and there's a teacher and you learn. And I learned with vinyl to beat match and I need to keep getting better at it. Becky's also like really encouraging me of that because she's so good at it. But like that's how I learned and that's how my ear was taught, you know, the fundamentals of DJing was through vinyl. Um, And so, and they had a lot of hip hop there. So I learned with hip hop. So I learned like really fast, fancy transitions and totally different from house music, but it works. And so that was pretty, pretty cool. Like learning from vinyl and um, all the teachers were all these local DJs in Miami, like, and they were all really cool and they're just down to earth and just so I learned that and then and then I did I did like two semesters of vinyl classes and then after that they It's funny they waited. I didn't even know about this thing called Serato or Tractor where you could actually have your computer and your whole music library. But after two semesters of doing the vinyl, they're like, "Oh yeah, like there's also this way." So I was like, "Oh cool! Like sign me up for that." So then I ended up like getting the vinyl turntables, um, and then but also I got the Serato, so I could actually play with my computer through the vinyl if I wanted to. So I and so I just had so much fun uh doing that and and i would go and before i had the equipment i would go all the time to scratch and just practice and hang out with the local people and they were just so helpful and and cool and just you know like and answered all my questions it was a great way to learn i now they're in um i'm pretty sure it's in fort uh in hollywood um but yeah it was it was pretty pretty cool spot it was in 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 midtown like back in the day Yeah. yeah that's so
0: cool yeah What's
2: your big, like, have you got a big thing you would love to do with your
0: DJing? Like headline a certain festival or play with certain people? Or have you got like a big dream?
2: dream. Okay, I have to say, I really want to do a daybreaker when we're back. Like, (laughs) I really want to play daybreaker. (laughs) I know, I know. But I think like before I wasn't, everything was still so new. I was still proving myself and like, I really want to do a daybreaker, um, but if I'm like talking like more globally, like I think it would be really cool to headline, like n- not right. he- like Tomorrowland not, <laughs> kind of like talking. to, <laughs> <laughs> like to not to headline, but to like play a festival with like a big headliner and like where you're having all that energy, like let's say like Tame Impala is the headliner, and like you get to play on the same day that everyone's there to see Tame Impala. Like I would love to like feed off of that. Um, like it would be really freaking cool, or any type of huge festival. Like that energy to me is just like the ultimate. So I would, I would love to play at a big festival.
0: Imagine if you were the headliner and everyone was there to see you.
2: What? <laughs> yes, you can do it. Dream big. Yeah, you know it's it's possible. I, I mean, we're as the fates now we're getting more into production. We're Dariana is like really fantastic. Uh, Dariana Mayer electric she's an amazing producer. And so we're learning a lot from her. And uh, Mal and Becky also have experience producing and they're like teaching me a lot. So we're producing music now and hopefully we'll be releasing it Um, at some point this year and I also like I I have this like secret thing that I just I love rapping and and coming up with rhymes and so I have so many rhymes that I've come up with over the years and so many lyrics and songs so it's pretty cool to be like okay girls like this is what I want to share with you guys today and I'll just like share my lyrics with them and then we'll like like hit the ground running making a track together so I feel like if we really want to get to that status of like ever headlining anything like we've got to really start releasing our own music so it's who knows like you never know that's not why we're doing it we we're doing it because it's just so it's It's so fun fun. and we all love it and it's so special and magical when we're creating together but like that would be pretty fucking cool like if it really took us somewhere like that like it would be awesome
1: something i i I really like also about the way you're doing is that you're really knowledgeable about music. Uh, I remember at the beginning of the quarantine, back in April, May time in 2020, um, we were doing the Zoom or Twitch or whatever, live, uh, and, and you were playing from your place. Uh, and while you're playing, you're speaking about, now I'm going to play this music. And I, I remember one evening you did like a 80 cool and the gang like disco stuff and like you're super knowledgeable like you knew everything about all the songs and all the guys and oh yeah they created this song doing like you know your shit like it's not just mixing you actually know the music and and the story behind it which is i think super cool i makes it even better
2: yeah thank you so much i really appreciate that it's something that is like very fascinating to me so it's easy for me to go into rabbit holes and it was cool to like do those live streams because it kind of like directed my rabbit holes like okay like I want to do like a disco show or like I did one that was like a lot of like soul from like 60s and 70s and even like just I don't know, went all over the place, but like prepping for those shows was really cool because I was able to share knowledge that I already had and also like gave me a great excuse to like really broaden my knowledge. And I i, I, thought, it was, I thought it was really, really fun. And it's cool to be able to share that with people when I know that the majority of the people watching are, are my same age or younger, or maybe a little older, like for, for them to be able to like learn that type of stuff from me and like learn, you know, learn the history of, of, of these songs and how much these songs have influenced what, what our ears like now, it's, it's, it feels like a huge responsibility, but a truly awesome one. So I, I really enjoyed, I called it Retro Jam and Jojo helped me come up with that name. Yeah, that was that was really fun. I'm so glad that you liked it. No, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty
1: unique concept, to be honest. Like, it's not something you, you, you see or hear very often, uh, so I think it's a great concept for a star uh cuz i don't i might be mistaken but i don't think most dj's know have like a music history that're knowledgeable about it i think it's just like to to mix and 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 play music but i don't think they they know much about what was going on 50 years ago uh so i think that's pretty unique what you have here uh and I don't I, I love 80s music and 70s music also, so, I mean, I could, <laughs> I just love that, so, <laughs> I might not be super objective about it, <laughs> but, yeah, you, you, you put me, like, some disco music the whole evening, I'll be happy, Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. it's, it's amazing, amazing to, like, consider the history, and even, like, w- disco specifically, like, um, to think about what disco went through um, because of like racism and people don't even realize the history of disco and like how much people fought to like keep disco in the scene and keep even at some level keep disco alive even though like mainstream capitalism and, and white supremacy like tried their like really almost took it down. Um, it, it's like it's we, like still to this day disco is like what is makes the crowd the happiest when I play you know like and it's and it's it's incredible I, I actually if you're interested at all I've been telling everyone lately um if you want to learn more about this like the Bee Gees for example a huge musical inspiration for me um and obviously like totally killed it with the disco and and reinvented themselves with so many times but especially when they hit hit with the disco like so they have a a documentary i'm pretty sure it's on hbo that's and it helps you to really see like the the whole like disco sucks mu- movement and and how it was really just not even about disco it was about people of color creating music and 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 a lot of people not handling it it was a lot, a lot of homophobia too and it, it was nothing to do with the music it was more so uh, to do with people's fears of like losing control which we still see now in an b- even bigger way so. Uh, I definitely recommend you guys watch that Bee Gees documentary to understand that better and to really see, like, these artists, the Bee Gees that ha- did this, like, unbelievable job of reinventing themselves time after time after time. And then now looking back and seeing how much uh, music that you don't even know was created by the Bee Gees was so, like, instrumental and 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 so, like, uh, popular, that, that like artists that you wouldn't even imagine that that the Bee Gees produced that music, because because after this whole disco sucks movement kind of tore them down, they went behind the scenes and did producing, and they killed it with the producing, and created so many number one hits, so pretty cool yeah so i, I I'm, I'm a big fan of, of of music from the past i i don't think that we can truly appreciate music in the present without having knowledge of the past so i'm glad we're talking about this because maybe i will do another. even i know some people are still watching live streams on instagram and stuff maybe we'll do another retro jam and we'll see
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah before we move on to mo- talking about your birds okay <laughs> um do you have a favorite artist or a favorite song? And I know that's like asking the most impossible question. Mm. Do you have any that come to mind that you want to mention?
2: You know, I had a feeling you were going to ask me this. So I was trying to like think because always I'm like, when people ask me this question, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, um, or just people who've like played a huge part in your love of yeah, music. Like, yeah. anything that kind of, well, well like DJ wise, I have to say like soul clap. Um, because they're so they're I think they're just they're so good at like celebrating history and celebrating um, the influence that African Americans have had on music and it's just like so huge like they're they're number one for me when it comes to like my favorite DJ. Um, and then uh, you know it, I guess I, I'm, I'm really into like indie like indie soul type music i'm i love the band drama i can listen to them non-stop um there's also I, I find these random artists that a lot of people don't know about and then like and then like a year later they're becoming more popular so it's kind of just like this exciting thing to be, always find new stuff but it's funny because i find all these new music and i'll be like oh my god there's my favorite but like all the old ones that i found they're still my favorite too so you know, I, I love this band called Camel Power Club. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Really good. Um, I love DJ Tennis. As far as like seeing a DJ, I would say like DJ Tennis is up there. I love seeing Justin Martin when he DJs. He's from Dirty Bird. I love Pillow Talk, the band. They're they're um, they're on the Crew Love label with Soul Clap. Love him. Uh, Life on Planets. I've been getting really into he's amazing and he actually just headlined the party at the Selena that that dude Skywalker and Joanne did together uh so it was so i i actually got to be i played at that party so being on the lineup with him was pretty cool the fates were actually supposed to play at the at the at ATV records at the Soul Clap Crew Love party in March which Sadly, it was canceled. That was like, I was like, this can't be real. And then it turns out it wasn't. But, like, <laughs> but that would have been really cool. But yeah, it's it's hard for me to pick one. I also just love listening to the Bee Gees, the Temptations, um, Otis Redding. I uh, love Otis Redding. It's, so it's it's hard for me to hone in on one thing. I love LCD Sound System, um, Tame Impala, Tame Impala. I, I i could just keep going all of these all of these people are my favorites and I, i'm sure i missed a bunch of people that i love and i'm gonna be upset with myself later but that's good <laughs> it's good for now <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's there's something that i think only rosie know about that but i want to learn how to dj once that's something i want to do in my life it's in my list of things i want to do before i die i want to know how i want to learn like djing uh i love going to festivals like the like you said before like the energy like having like thousands of people being in the same space and and going through those like amazing emotions and because of a guy playing up there i find that like so amazing and like i love watching sets on youtube and When you have like the point of view of like behind the the booth and you see this guy playing and just looking at the crowd. And I don't know, like, I wonder how it feels like to be there, you know, on the booth and having like those people. And it doesn't matter how many there are, but seeing that you're giving like so much happiness and, and having so much fun, I think this feeling must be amazing. Uh, and that's something I I'll, I I'll love to feel it one day. Uh, so yeah, that's in my list of things to do yes, before I die. Well, <laughs>
2: before you, before you move, I'm I'm totally down to give you some lessons. Oh my god, I love to. Yeah, we'll That'd do be it. Amazing. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah. That's like in
1: my list of things. Like. Yeah. I would love that.
2: But you you nailed it. Like, and it's not just DJing. It's I I it's it's just musicians yeah and, even like, a the, singer the actually but I feel like yeah.
1: DJing is more accessible to me than singing so right it's like, yeah no for <laughs> sure like but it's you, like so it's, it's this performance music
2: musical yeah. connection and exchange of energy and and flowing together like and well, I, I missed I did I missed a big artist talking heads like everybody knows I'm obsessed with the talking heads and and like when you see them performing live like 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 especially back in the day like in the in the 80s like it's unbelievable the energy on stage and then in the crowd like their concert DVDs like are some of my favorite just like I can I get goosebumps just thinking about it like it's it's really cool and the thing that's cool about DJing is when you're a band you're kind of like well you can you know you can do covers and stuff but you you have to plan and to an extent you know unless you're Fish you don't you know that I don't know what they seem to just like do whatever the hell they want which is so cool but like being a dj you you just have like the whole world of music at your fingertips and like you feel you feel the crowd and then based on what you feel you know you deliver and then based on that delivery you feel something else and then you just keep and it just keeps going back and forth and i really do like as I got more comfortable on the decks in public, I, I feel like this amazing flow. It's like, I really feel like I'm in a flow state when I'm, when I'm DJing of, of just like giving and, and getting and giving and getting. And, and it's, it's so incredible. Like I can't put it into words. So I feel really lucky to that. That's the type of musician that I'm, that I am, that I'm, that I'm a, a DJ and I can play any music that I want, any music that I think that I'm feeling, that the crowd is gonna feel, and like I have this ability to take people on this journey with any, all the music that's ever been created, I have it, and I can, and I can, I can play it, and it's, it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a, it's, it's an indescribable feeling. That is something
1: I miss, like from this whole like 2020 shit, like being in a crowd with like people around like a music festival that's one thing i miss and i'm dying to to go once like i don't know at one point eventually in a few months eventually when we can i don't know someday but yeah yeah, this 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 feeling about like you feel like everyone is your friend Like you can be with like thousands of people (laughs) yes you have like thousands of friends everyone is there enjoying i don't know yeah i just love it (laughs) yeah yeah i miss that
2: it's, it's being in a huge crowd of of people and you're all there for the same reason and you all love this artist and it's totally this like unifying force it's it's incredible and i i totally with you i can't wait to be in that type of experience and it's not the,
1: just like you said before it's music in general right. it has this thing like i remember when in, we went in 2014 i think to paris to see Coldplay in the stadium And again, like, I mean, so many people were crying in the crowd. It was like 60 or 70,000 people and so many people were crying. And how, I wonder how it feels to be like on the stage and to see those people like being moved thanks to your music and and seeing people crying. It must feel like, I don't know what, but so, it must be special. Yeah,
2: so special, so rewarding.
1: So yeah that's yeah i love yeah, that <laughs> music fulfilling. is powerful for that it's crazy yeah. yes
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah you yeah. get it for sure <laughs> i have another hard question okay.
0: do you do you have a favorite decade so for me it's 90s slash early 2000s where like i love it all do you have a favorite decade of like this is or is that just a, like
2: yeah. yeah um i think like it this kind of it would be hard i th- I i love motown so I think I would have to say I guess it would be like sixty seventies, um, yeah because and that's and my parents do too so, so like one of my first concerts that I went to as a kid was the Temptations so that that era and it, it's I can't I don't even want to say era because it we can't limit it to an era like it it's it was in the making for a long time and then it just became mainstream and then and and it's still like so much of the house music that i play is like motown you know so so that that is that's the big big one for me yeah for sure and 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 a lot of the artists that i love like like the Gees and like the talking heads
1: will
2: openly admit like how much like you know uh movements like motown have had an impact on them artistically and and it, it's just it's still influencing us. This this song is like whether we like it or or not it's, it's in us. I mean this this these songs this these artists that have been so instrumental in 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 music um, they're they're it's still like pumping through our veins and it's it shows up all the, all over the place. So I I think like I can hear Motown in so many in so many things that I listen to and um, it just ne- these songs never get, like how my girl like will that song ever get old I don't think so I don't think it will like uh so so yeah you must be listening
1: to music in a totally different way than most people because you have so much knowledge that when you hear a beat when you hear a melody when you hear something I'm sure you travel through time (laughs) and you're like oh that's this back in the days 40 years ago like you i think your way to listening to a song must be so different than my way like <laughs> you must be like traveling through so many things it must be pretty interesting what's going on in your brain <laughs> when you yeah, listen to music
2: i think i don't i guess maybe you're right but it, it's it's incredible how much sam- how many samples are from old songs are incorporated into songs that we love now or how many songs that we love now that we're like, Oh my God, this song is so amazing. Like this band did such a great job. Like, but then it's like, okay, no, this is the exact same cadence as the song that was pop- the popular in the seventies. So it's like, it's like, you know, it's, I, I liked, I, I did, um, I did a, a, another live stream during the quarantine called spiritual funk. And I liked, I really liked to, um, to to play those types of things side by side like you thought you liked this song when it came out in 2007 have you heard the simon and garfunkel song that came out in like 1960 something and it's like this song is like literally like the exact same melody like <laughs> you know so it's 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 really fun for me to and when i can when I, sometimes something will sound familiar but i can't figure out what it is and when i finally pin down what that familiar sound was I'm like yes like <laughs> it's like the most gratifying feeling that's the, that's the geek side of you <laughs> yes. yes totally
1: <laughs> all right last subject I want you to touch base yeah so
0: before we start this podcast all I knew about Katie was that she goes to Daybreaker she DJs she's got a parrot she lives in Miami and that's basically all I knew about you so I'm dying to ask you about your parrot how long have you had him when did you get him are you scared he's ever gonna fly away (laughs) i have so many questions do you are your windows always closed what's going on there he can talk talk to us about skylar
2: um okay so yes skylar uh skylar is just like one of the best things that's ever happened to me i got him um five years ago yeah five five yeah five years ago and um I didn't. I, I've I've always had this affinity to birds, but I never had I've and I've had cockatiels in the past, which are really beautiful, awesome birds, but they're not the same level of intelligence as what Skyler, who's a Hans Macaw. Um, so, so I didn't. I don't think I fully realized like how smart this creature was when I got him, and and as the years got went by, I just started realizing more and more like how highly intelligent he is, and 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 because of that, like I've continuously stepped up my bird mom game because i'm like (laughs) i'm constantly realizing like how every day I'm like he blows my mind with something new and like i really need to just keep doing the best that i can for this bird because he's so freaking smart and like he deserves it and it's just been amazing and how much he's brought to my life and as far as like holding me accountable uh to like go you know it's like i'm not gonna say it's like having a kid because it's it's not but it's it's similar in the sense that like you really always have to be mindful of, 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 of your bird, like especially a bird as intelligent as this. You can never just check out like you always have to be aware that this highly intelligent creature is relying on you for re- enrichment, fulfillment, um, stimulation uh, nourishment. So it's like, it's a gigantic responsibility. And I'm always trying to do better for him because he's, he's not easy. He's, he's, he's smart and he's difficult sometimes, but it's like, you know, like, what did I think when I got this highly intelligent creature was going to be the case? So it's, it's been awesome. And because I am someone that likes really is like always seeking stimulation, like it's, it's really stimulating for me to have such an intelligent pet, that I'm responsible for. And, and so I actually have like this amazing woman that I work with. She's a, um, she's a parrot expert and her, her name's Pamela. And I actually had a session with her earlier today. Like I meet with her every few weeks and just get her advice on things, get ideas of different things that I could do with Skylar. Um, Skylar loves being outside. Um, but, uh, you know, now that now that his uh wing i i've decided that i want him to be flighted i i i really kind of realized like i i can't take this away from him so now that he flies like i can uh keep the the doors open but it's i do i, I do get some nervousness that he's you know he's going to fly away so i'm i'm working on getting like a some type of like little outdoor aviary for him so he can be on my balcony uh i was actually before like earlier today researching um they're, they're calling them like cage rollers so like you put the bird in like a cage and you can and and you can like wheel them outside uh so he can have outdoor time but he flies now and and we do flight training in the house and and i and and pamela put it to me in a really cool way she's like what do you think that um skylar would prefer like to be able to go for walks with you outside and not be able to fly or you know, cause I used to just take him out on my hand and, and, and like not even worry about it. But now that he can fly, like I, I I'm more careful with that. So she's like, do you think he wants to be able to just go for walks with you? Or do you think that he would prefer that he, having wings and just being able to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants? And I'm like, you know what? Like that's, that's what he would want. He, and he wants to be able to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. So now I'm working on harness training him. I'm getting him like a a special carrier so that he can like, um, go I can, I can carry him on my back when I go for walks. Like, so it's like just finding new ways to like keep him happy and stimulated. And I know that like, honestly, as long as Skylar's with me, like he's happy, he loves me so much. And he's just like the best, just like the best thing ever. And, and just cracks me up all day long like all day long he's just so i love when you post
1: video with him he's He's so cute (laughs) he's hilarious he's like
2: he's so. i mean even he's so attuned to what i do like as soon as i get my grab my my shoes and start putting them on he goes goodbye like he knows and and it's, it's, he's always, he's always saying the most relevant words in his repertoire to every situation. So anything that's going on, he's going to find the word in his vocabulary that meets it like that's most fitting to what's going on like he's he's so smart and I just like I'm I'm so grateful that that I have him and that that he loves me and that he trusts me and that we are like on this journey called life together because he's gonna be here for a long time like he's his life expectancy is 40 to 50 years so Yeah. yeah
1: random questions but how many words does he know
2: his his vocabulary like different variations of words and phrases about 35 oh, wow. yeah i've written them all down and that's what it is yep. yeah
0: yeah um, i have a question when you take him when you said you are talking about for walks and you had him on your hand mm-hmm. what stopped him from flying away then
2: well his, his his wing he was he was groomed he his wings were clipped which i know it's it sounds like it sounds painful it's not it's it doesn't it doesn't hurt the bird but At the end of the day, I'm taking away his ability to fly. And that's something that he was naturally designed to do. And I guess it's been a part of my own, like, journey into consciousness of, like, Realizing, like, who am I to take that from him? Like, he's a bird, you know. So, so I, I, I've, I've decided that I want him to be able to fly, um, and that comes with a lot more responsibility. But I also noticed that he seems to be even happier than he was before now that he's flying. And I've taught him, uh, you know, behavioral training. So we're always training. So he knows that wherever I put the stick, he flies to. So he, we have, and he, and he gets a treat. So we have the best time. It's called targeting. Like I put the stick you know, on a perch across the room, and now he flies to it, gets the treat, and then I run to the other, back to the cage, he flies back to the cage, and he's just, like, having the best time. Like, he loves it so much. So it's really, really stimulating for him, and um, even though now I don't have that same freedom of you know taking him outside without any type of like attachment to me uh, that's why i'm working on the harness training and that's why i'm exploring other options because seeing how happy he is now with his ability to fly i'm like i can't ever take this away from him again I'm <laughs> so you
0: said that you clipped his wings and then uh, can you reverse that or how does that yeah, yeah the
2: the feathers they're they're not like fingernails in the sense that like once you clip them they have to fall out in order to like fully grow back to their full length again but um but yeah they get new feathers like every every like every um I think it's like every six months or something like they're getting new feathers in so so yeah so his his feathers are like almost fully grown back in his wings yeah mm. and
1: uh, you 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 said the uh... You've been interested in birds for a while. Like where is that coming from? Just a random thing that you 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 found and enjoyed? Yeah,
2: yeah, I think it's coming from maybe like a past life thing or something because I I just I've always been fascinated by birds. Um also dolphins, I think I told you like when I was younger, but you know obviously you can't have a pet dolphin, so I went with birds. <laughs> I always I do have a recurring dream of having a pet dolphin. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it like like, live on the ocean, and the dolphin comes up to visit me, and that's my, that's my dolphin that lives in the ocean, so, um, but, like, you know, when I, when I was um, in middle school, I remember the my sixth grade teacher had a, had a cockatiel for the classroom, and I was, like, in charge of the cockatiel, because he, like, the cockatiel liked me the best, and, like, the cockatiel chose me, you know, and so I've just always had this connection with, with birds, and then I remember, Oh, always my teachers had class pets that were birds which just isn't that common i don't think but i got really like i've had like four or five different teachers that have had birds as class pets and i've always become very close with those mm-hmm. birds and i remember in high school my my ap uh, biology teacher had a whole bunch of lovebirds uh and there was a hurricane coming so she ne- and their lovebirds had had babies and so she needed someone to take all the baby lovebirds and the parent lovebirds so i I, for this hurricane, I took the class cockatiel, I took, like, eight lovebirds, and then plus I had my cockatiel, so this ended up being Hurricane Wilma, where we out of, were out of school for, like, three weeks, Over so three weeks, we had, like, 12 birds in the house, <laughs> and I was responsible for training, like, it was amazing, my parents weren't so happy about it, but for me, it was incredible. That must have been noisy. Yeah, it was, but I'm telling you, nothing, nothing matches how noisy Skylar can be (laughs) he's like he can be noisier than all of them combined (laughs) so I have another question
0: like obviously with dogs and cats they're kind of like the typical pets that people have and you can see that they show affection like I mean I'm guessing he does show affection how does
2: he show affection
0: and I mean obviously it's different to cats and dogs I'm just curious how does that work I don't know
2: he loves getting neck scratches um he 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 has, like, these cute little soft, sweet voices that he does, where, like, he'll, he says, I love you. Uh, like, he knows that when I'm cuddly and, like, affectionate towards him is when I'm saying, kisses, I love you. So whenever I'm cuddling him, he'll sometimes, kisses. And he puts his head down. As soon as I say neck scratches, if he's in the mood for the neck scratches, he puts his head down so I could scratch his neck. Uh, so it's, I. some people joke with me and tell me, how's your dog doing? Because they know that I like cuddle him and stuff, but you also can't overdo it with the cuddling because birds can, their hormones can be triggered and it's not healthy for a bird that's by itself to, to, as doesn't have a companion to have its hormones triggered. So you can't overdo it with the cuddling. So that's something that I've also learned. Like, so, so it's like something that's frequent throughout the day, but it's not, it's not like long periods of time that you know, I, I I cuddle with him. It's, and, and we, he also shows his uh, affection towards me in other ways because he's always showing me that he's always paying attention to what I'm doing and saying whatever he thinks that I want to hear. Like, he's always trying so hard to communicate with me, which to me is like the cool, like the ultimate sign of, of love and connection. Super yeah. intelligent.
1: That's interesting.
2: It's so cool.
1: Interesting. Mm. I've seen a video where you played peekaboo with him. He's that's his favorite. That's, I mean, it's like, yeah. And he said, he said peekaboo. peekaboo, and I was like, what? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's so. Fun. Sometimes like he he just like he kills me. Like uh, he'll 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 be hiding in his he'll be in his cage, and I walk up to his cage, and he just peekaboo. <laughs> it's it's really really funny. I I mean I'll be in the another room, and he'll be like, come here, come here. <laughs> That's
1: hilarious
2: it's yeah it's, it's there's never a dull moment
1: <laughs> it's, it's cool that like, you can have an interaction within like, i don't know a lot it's interesting i was thinking while you were talking like how many i mean when you think about the concept the concept of pets for a star like it's like most people get a dog and actually they spend three hours a day in a house and it's like wake up in the morning feed the dog walk go to work for like nine hours, come back, make dinner, take care of the kids, and the dog is just spending his entire day basically on his own. When you think about it, it's not great. (laughs) Um, But then when you think about birds, most people have a bird in a cage. And like you said, it's something that's supposed to fly. and, 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 And most people don't even play with a bird. It's like they feed them and that's about it. Uh, it's actually the first time I see someone interacting and training I didn't know you could train a bird that's something I didn't know about uh so you like you said you you're making everything that you can to keep to stimulate him and to keep him happy it's not just oh I've got a bird in a cage over there look he's pretty he's pretty green and he can say that and you know that's it uh, you you actually love him and show love and and interact that's really cool I've never seen that before and I didn't know actually there are intelligent creatures like that you know that it's so pretty cool yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah thank you I think it definitely a lot of people don't really realize what they're getting into when they buy a bird or when they like adopt a bird you know it's but they're incredibly intelligent in a lot of ways they've equated their intelligence to like a two-year-old child I mean he was saying his first words at six months old he was saying step up step up to get out of his cage I remember I could I had had him for like a month and I hear him, step up, step up. I'm like, what it's the, a this bird is six months old. He's already talking to me. Like most babies are not talking to like well after they're one years old, usually around 18 months, six months old. So it, it, they're incredibly intelligent. And a lot of the time when, when people see me with Skylar, they'll say, oh my God, that's amazing. I want one. And I'll just, I'll, I feel like it's my responsibility to say like, make sure you do your research. It's a lot of work. It's not easy. It's very hard to to have a happy bird in captivity, but it's possible. And Skylar's a very happy bird, but it's it's not easy at all. And so I think it's really important for me to tell people that, and not just be like, "Yeah, isn't he amazing? You should get one." Like, no, like make sure you really read about what you what this is going to require of you, um, and you know, because otherwise, like, it's just not fair to the animal. And like you said, that's even the case for dogs. Like, there's a lot of people that have dogs that probably shouldn't have one so you know it's just i think it's it's um maybe people are quicker to judge with a bird because of the fact that it can fly but it's it's at the end of the day like animals are are smart and they know and and think more than we than we uh would like, would like to believe yeah so so it's a gigantic responsibility but especially with with a parrot with such an intelligent creature it's it's enormous
1: i think skylar should be on tiktok I think it would go viral on TikTok. Yeah. For sure. He's he's I think it could be a very famous TikToker.
2: Okay. So. I, maybe I mean I've I've I'm not on TikTok, but maybe that would get me to do it. Here we are. <laughs> I would watch him. I appreciate the suggestion. I'll tell I mean my most popular videos on my Instagram are totally my Skylar videos. So t- <laughs> I think the crowd TikTok has is a platform
1: for him. I've got a feeling about that.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. So Jeremy has a question that he likes to ask everybody. I think he's forgotten. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I always forget. He
0: always forgets. So I'll pass over to him. Just want to remind him. This is a biggie.
1: <laughs> oh god, uh, I've got a feeling she's going to struggle with this one. No, <laughs> you don't say that. no pressure. <laughs> no. Uh, what I like to ask is, uh, if you could have a conversation around a table with someone, dead or alive. Uh, but you have to pick one person that you think is like the most interesting person in your eyes. Uh, who would you pick and why? Wow, that's such
2: a such good question. And it they doesn't
1: have to be well. famous. It can be my great-great-grandmother, my famous... Pur- I, any, really, anyone. It doesn't have to be yeah. sparkly brain is going to so many places Yeah, I mean, when, when when rosie asked you like who's your favorite artist and you said about 20 i was like she's gonna struggle with this one
2: <laughs> yes um i was diagnosed with adhd as a child <laughs> so these types of questions are so overwhelming to me <laughs> no no it's okay um so anybody dead or alive um I guess like, I guess I'd have to say because just because of my own curiosity about myself and my family and I would have to say my Nana Rose and that's my, that would be my great grandmother on my, um, on my dad's side and I, my, was named after her. My middle name is Rose. Um, and I hear from a lot of family members that I have her in me and, um, she was a very eccentric woman and like totally moved to the beat of her own drummer. And like given the time that she lived in incredibly powerful um, and strong and, and I feel like a very, even though I never met her, she died like right before I was born. So I also feel like there's a cool connection there. Almost that like, I do feel like when someone dies, like, you know, their somehow their legacy lives on. And in a way I do feel like the timing tells me that like, I'm here as like part of Nana. And so so I really would love to just talk to her and 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 kind of like really understand that connection more. I feel I feel her sometimes I feel like she's kind of with me. I feel like she's maybe like my guardian angel or something. And and I and I've had like a lot of psychics tell me that that she's with me all the time. And I, I like, you know, you, you take that from that what you want, but like it's I don't think it's a coincidence that like there's such there's such a strong connection there and and i'm also i'm really really close to my dad and i i love well you know both of my parents um with my dad I, I really love hearing his his stories about his childhood and she was a huge part of his childhood so i think it would be just like fill in a lot of gaps for me to be able to just like sit down and and talk to her yeah yeah Beautiful. So. I
0: that answer. It's very similar to mine. Mine would be my granddad who I never met as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. very similar.
2: Cool. cool. For similar, For similar reasons.
0: reasons? Yeah, like, so we never met him, but I think, like, my mum always tells me about him and my grandma is still in love with him even 40 years later. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's
1: cute.
0: I was going to close the episode, but you mentioned you were diagnosed with ADHD as a child. Yes. <laughs> I want to ask you about that. What what? How does ADHD affect your life?
2: Um, I, I used to, like, see it as a hindrance but now I definitely see it as like a superpower like something that allows me to 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 be who I am and I'm totally all over the place like doing all these different things and I don't think that I would be this way if I didn't have this thing that we call ADHD I think and at the end of the day like you know I I know I'm studying mental health and all that but like you know these these names that we give to things. It's just these disorders. It's just they're just we're human. We're not going to all be the same. Maybe maybe a large percentage of us might follow certain patterns, but when any, anybody deviates from those patterns, we have a tendency to the tendency to label it exactly. Yeah. So so now I I think it's really cool that I don't. I mean I don't take any medication for it. Um, I did when I was younger, but and I you know it did help me perform better and even though i wasn't performing badly but it helped me perform a lot perform a lot better you know i i think it's i think it's cool to just embrace you know the way that my brain works and harness my figure out how I can harness my creativity in unique ways and 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 also keep myself on track because I do get distracted you know I get excited I lose my train of thought I get overwhelmed by big things and big tasks but you know I I, I've also have found a lot of tools to to work through that and and I think that's that also that um you know having that those experiences of figuring out ways to like make things easier and work better for me, that's really made my brain so much stronger and made me so much stronger. So I think it was it was it was weird as a kid, like, you know, getting pumped with amphetamines every day, Um, especially like like in high school in high school when I started taking, you know, medication for it. I remember like feeling not like myself, but also like I'm getting all this great feedback. My professors, my teachers are telling me I'm so focused. I get straight A's for the first time in my life, you know. But like then getting older and and realizing like you know I I think I know how I can manage this and just always being conscious of my of what's hard for me and and working through them and learning how to break up big things into smaller things so I don't get so overwhelmed and having different structures to keep me organized like you know it's just it's just it's part of who I am and I'm, I've learned how to to manage it and I think it also, it's, it's, it's part of why musically, like I'm, I am the way that I am because I'm, I'm all over the place and I, and I, they am not going to stay stuck on one thing. I'm, I'm always getting my attention lost in other things and combining things that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily think to combine. And that's, so I see it as such a blessing now. And yeah, thanks for asking about it. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to, to think that, uh, we, we call this a disorder when I just think so many creative people like would be technically ADHD, but that's what allows them to be the creative people that they are. Yeah.
1: I, it's interesting because in France, like that's not a thing as much as it is in the U.S., ADHD or yeah, control. like no, having kids being diagnosed with ADHD, like I, f- I feel that in the US it seems to be not common, but I've heard it many times. Mm. Like I, I, you, you hear people like saying now, nah. like I've not been diagnosed, but I might, I, I think I've had it or whatever. Like when in France, like this, it's not something that we hear very often. Mm. So I do wonder if it's. I don't know, you know. I mean, the med- the whole medical system in the US yeah, is a bit sure. fucked up for a start. Um, and if it's not just a label to, I yeah, I don't know. I struggle with this concept a little bit because <laughs> yeah. it's. I don't see a consistency. Uh, it 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 seems to be a really American subject. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't I really totally, get it. It's
2: I totally understand. I definitely think like if you were to look at the DSM description of ADHD, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's that's Katie, you know. But it's I, I the fact that we think of it as a disorder just shows how much it's like society is in a constant like state of conditioning us to be a certain thing and to act a certain way and like. You know, it it it's. I don't think I do I just think that we're maybe we're 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 right in the fact that like these collection of symptoms can be like effectively treated through these types of therapies or these types of structures. But you know, to call it a disorder, I that's think that's where we're misguided. misguided.
1: Yeah, and also maybe it should not be treated because maybe it's stopping you to do something else. I remember I've read this this story about. I have no idea in which countries, it's just something I just remember that this girl who she was a little girl and she could not like stay still like in class, never. She was hyperactive and always running around and moving around and dancing and jumping and, and the teachers were like there's a problem with her, she's got issues so parents were taking her to the doctor, taking her to a psychologist and seeing if she had trying to figure out what was wrong with her nothing was wrong with her she became one of the most famous dancer ballet dancer ever in the history uh just she loved moving and dancing and she didn't give a shit about school yeah. that's what was wrong with her but and and i think she went to see a psychologist and and the psychologist like told her like there's nothing wrong with this girl she just like moving and dancing and 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 she said like you need to take her to a dancing school and then she became amazing and without this person maybe she would have, you know, been diagnosed with whatever disorder and got some pills and she would have become a good citizen. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like, uh, so yeah, it's just because you don't fit in the box. You don't behave like you're supposed to at school. Pam disorder or whatever i don't know i, I, don't know, I struggle with that a bit. <laughs> no,
2: no i mean so. like not to go too too deep with it but like you ma- you make a good point about like fitting in a box and when you look at our our, the, our education system and it hasn't changed in a very long time and and so much of our education system is still like what it was during the industrial revolution when we needed bodies to work machinery in factories and like at the end of the day like we are being conditioned to to work inside of a box, and it's up to us to like see that and choose to go outside of it. Um, but you know that that is what's going on. And I mean, even my in my experience teaching and with these standardized tests, how we measure intelligence is standardized. It doesn't make sense. And kids, so many kids don't fit into this cookie cutter. And because they don't, they're, uh, they're made to feel that like there's something wrong with them and that they can never succeed just because they don't succeed in this specific model that's designed for a specific type of person that will succeed in it. You know, it's, 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 there's so many different types of humans. And I, th- I do think that we would benefit a lot from acknowledging that in, in, in our in our education system.
1: And also, like you said, so really just the, the school system was created 50 years ago. Now we have something called fucking internet, okay? Mm-hmm. Like teach your kids how to do public speaking. It's more important than learning some crap that we learn at school. Maybe you know, I, yeah. I mean, a lot of,
2: a lot of schools, schools they don't—they're not even teaching, teaching typing. typing. <laughs> so like a lot of kids don't learn how to type yeah. in school, which is just like the m- yeah. hugest disadvantage I can think of nowadays.
0: Everything you were saying then reminded me of myself as well because I'm dyslexic. So at school I kind of struggled with tests and remembering things and kind of understanding questions and what they actually wanted what that question actually was asking if that makes sense so comprehension and things like that I really struggled with and I think I always used to think I was stupid and like never gonna do anything so when I succeed like I did today and I'm like running around the room it's like oh my god I fucking did something (laughs) so I think like I agree with you that you know there shouldn't be just standard you know if you don't fit in this box then there's something wrong with you I think being dyslexic made me more creative and like you with the ADHD it makes you who you are in your own special way and I think it should be celebrated rather than said it's like a bad thing that oh you're you're not perfect or you're wrong or whatever it is so
1: Yeah and 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 even without talking about celebrating it's like okay this kid and I mean it's the same with adults anyway but this kid is not obviously responding let's say to the normal way of teaching so rather than saying, okay, here, disorder, rather than putting a label and putting him in the side and seeing like he's just going to be trouble. So we're just going to put it away. Maybe we should just see what resonates with him right. and, and test stuff. Okay, maybe this, it's going to be a painting, music, sport, I don't know, whatever. But rather than just putting them on the side and giving up on, on, on them, uh, maybe we should figure out a way to understand what's their thing uh but yeah it's
2: yeah we're we're so quick if if the kid doesn't if the kid isn't responding to the way that we're teaching them we're so quick to label the kid there's something wrong with the kid but how about there's something wrong with the system like you know it's like (laughs) it's pretty obvious i could go on for a while about that (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i'm gonna close off the
0: episode and we're (laughs) gonna (laughs) carry on talking off the podcast because otherwise we're gonna be here for hours um Katie thank you so much because honestly I feel like when you first walked in I literally like I said I knew your name you had a bird you DJ and that's literally all I knew and I feel like I know you so much more now and thank you so much for being so open about just everything that you've been through and everything in terms of the DJing and as a child and just everything has been so lovely to get to know you and kind of deep dive a little bit more into your life and yeah just thank you so much for sharing and guys I really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did where can people find you on social media? We'll obviously link it, but if you want to mention it as well, yeah,
2: yeah. So um, on Instagram, I'm Katie Ox Music, K A T I E O X Music. Um, you can also find me on SoundCloud, Katie Ox, um, and on Spotify. If you want to follow my playlist, it's Katie Oxenhorn, O X E N H um, O R N. Yeah, that's once the world opens back up, you can check me out on Resident Advisor, Katie Ox. I would love to see you guys around at my shows or talk to you about music online. So definitely hit me up. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been really, really fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) Thank
0: you. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. And that's all. Bye.
2: Thank you guys.
1: Bye.